Hello, and good day, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Magic the First Bites Podcast. This podcast is all about the Pioneer format, and we keep our listeners up to date with what is new, interesting, and powerful in the, Pioneer, in the world of Pioneer. I am your host, Kevin Finkel, joined here with my co-host and one of our favorite returning guests. Hey, everybody. It is Ryan, the uh, cardboard samurai out of the uh, Tokyo area of Japan, and special guest... Hi, uh, it's Dreams of Ashiok here uh, from the Great White North, and I'm ready to talk about some Pioneer. How about y'all? Yeah, yeah. welcome back. It's always a pleasure. It's uh, been a bit of a slow end of the year here for, I feel like, all kind of magic. You know, long time between set releases, which maybe for once is nice, uh, as well as it just being, you know, not a lot of content creation going on, not a lot of tournaments going on. So we've been finding some fun things to talk about otherwise. You know, a little bit of brewing, a little bit of looking back at some decks. And uh, that's kind of what we wanted to talk about today is looking at a couple of the Pioneer decks mm-hmm. that I think haven't been dived into yeah. as deeply as some of the other ones. Yeah, so last time I chose Bard Clasp, maybe that was a bad idea because the true green-red deck we should have been talking about was Gruel Vehicles, right, Kevin? Oh, all, all, all day. All yeah. day Gruel Vehicles. Red-green boat. <laughs> yeah. So we're actually going to do like a double. We're going to do a, So usually we call these with the Pioneer 101 series. Kind of like a, a college-level class of sorts. And we're actually going to do a Pioneer 102. It's going to be a double feature. We're going to do uh, Angels and Engines. That's my plan for today. We're going to start off with some Gruel Vehicles and maybe talk about Angels after that. Is that cool with you guys? Of course. Oh, that's great with me. Hey, you even put uh, Vehicles up first, so I, you know, yeah. <laughs> I get to do the fun part. So, yeah, you're more of the Vehicles guy there, uh, Kevin. So let's start out with, with uh, the, the Gruel Vehicles. Like, Let's put the spotlight on, on the Gruel deck here. And can you kind of t- start us off, what kind of deck is it? How would you explain this? Yeah, to so somebody? I want to talk kind of conceptually about this deck. And I think that the best way to put it is that it is a mid range deck. And I think it goes a little bit over the top of other mid range decks. And that's really where its place in the format is. And, you know, you're welcome to disagree with me there because that's a little bit of a bold thing because, like, you know, it's got the Elvish Mystic Land of War Elves. Mm-hmm. So it kind of gets out ahead of things. And then it's got kind of the, you know, four and five drops as its top end. Um, you know, people looked at it, it's like, oh, it's playing a Seekus Chariot and it's playing Sky Sovereign Console Flagship. They called it like Red Green Vehicles, Red Green Boat. And those are really good cards. Those are kind of what form the top end. But it's kind of like, you know, you don't think about that and be like, oh, well, it's kind of a mid-range deck, you mm-hmm. know, just just because of off the back of it. But it has a lot of those cards that bring value, but also can be, you know, just kind of get a big board presence and be aggressive. So you're able to get underneath some things and kill some things while still being big enough to go over the top of red black which is really you know the boogeyman in the format mm-hmm. so what what's the meme uh ashiak is it uh vehicles go burr vehicles do go burr we do yeah. love uh the sky sovereign sky sovereign will always hold a place <laughs> in my heart and i'm so glad that it sees so much play in pioneer brings back too many good memories yeah, it is really cool how that's kind of just shown up as one of the best, you know, five drop mid range options. It's just a card that really does beat up a lot of the important cards in the format and then can go over the top and swing. It pressures planeswalkers well. It does kind of everything you want it to do. Okay. Yeah, if you would have told um, me forever ago that like the three mana deal damage kind of pressure, like this card is just kind of like a five mana removal spell that continues to apply pressure, it is still popular in the format. To this day, I would have laughed, but I'm so would, happy that we're here. I wanted to ask you guys about, like, what I don't know if you've been uh, checking out, like, the, the card websites and stuff like that, or even your local game store. Like, how are the prices on um, Gruel cards uh, going? Because I know before, like, the lands weren't worth anything. Nobody wanted to play Gruel decks, and I feel like this has really pushed a lot of those cards to the forefront. Uh, I personally work at a card store. 
uh, card shop here in um, uh, Edmonton. And I, I would say that I we did have a couple of people come in and buy the deck itself. Like, we have seen a lot of people that were mm-hmm. really interested in it. Uh, we see a lot of people buying Sky Sovereign, uh, yeah. especially because of Kamigawa. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of it has to do with Commander and the deck that did come out with Commander. However, it, that also introduced more copies because there was Sky Sovereign originally in that deck. And so we mm-hmm. saw those card Sky Sovereigns get bought out immediately at our store. That card was one of the e- first cards to go, uh, and we because it sees a lot of play in a lot of different other um, decks within this format. Uh, but mm-hmm. all of the cards they're so hard to keep in stock at our store. Mm-hmm. Everyone loves all of these cards that uh, for whatever whatever deck they're into playing. So, but I do believe a lot of it ends up going to Gruel because I do see a lot of that on my local LGS whenever I play Pioneer events. Hey, I love to hear that. And, you know, you would, you had said if someone had told you years a year ago that it would be a popular deck, I'd have said, sure, it'd be popular as a sideboard card in Karn decks. But uh, being, you know, three or four of main deck, I, I agree that's a big surprise. And there are other couple surprise cards in this list that I'm like, that I never thought that would find a home. Or I know that's a good card, but I never thought it would find a home. You know, you were just talking price. Reckless Stormseeker is, yeah. you know, three, four dollars now. Oh, you're, uh, that's you're what lucky. I feel good about because, <clears throat> yeah, I, I bought them for you. Know, I bought a playset for a dollar of those. No, I was one of I the mean, ones. I was three, like, that card's gonna be good. Three or four dollars is like, yeah. I mean, I wanted to complain. I've been complaining in Discord like for <laughs> for weeks about how expensive it is in Japan. Like, I think that uh, Sky Silver is almost up to like fifteen, sixteen bucks here. Um, oh, Sickest wow. Chariot's like the same. It's like thirteen, fourteen dollars. Uh, Reckless Stormseeker, like maybe sometimes you can get them for about eight dollars or so. Like everything is double price here because of distribution problems during pit the pandemic. Mm. Just like they did not have English sets or even like the regular stuff, which is so disrupted that there's like absolutely no stock and if nobody was opening packs either. So it's incredibly expensive to get all the cards. Okay, so so when I visit you in Japan, I'm going to stock up on Do all it. the Pioneer staples, and then I'm going to buy can make a money. bunch of EDH staples and bring them back. You, <laughs> no, honestly, you could probably play for your pain, pay, pay for your plane ticket with just going to MTG stores and selling your, your cards. Hmm. Yeah. But anyways, so you want to talk a little bit more about um, cards uh, as far yeah, as like, the core cards? Yeah, let's talk some specific cards here. So yeah, core cards, definitely the Elvish Mystic Lawnmower Elves. Bonecrusher Giant, absolutely great mid-range card. Um, Asika's Chariot, as pretty much a four of, is a guarantee. Mm-hmm. And then either three or four of, of the Sky Sovereign. I think those are the cards that are kind of unchangeable in the various Gruel mid-range deck lists. Outside of that, I think that you've got a little bit of flexibility in the two-drop slot, in the three-drop slot, uh, as well as in the four-drop slot and the removal slot. So really, there's a few places that plays around with. Uh, as far as core cards, though, I do want to talk a little bit about the mana base because another thing that's been indicative of this deck is being very heavy on the creature lands. Like, we would see early versions running a full four Mutavaults um, with three to four Lair of the Hydra, mm. one to two Den of the Bugbear, um, some amount of Sakenzin. So really, you don't like trying to, because they're not playing a color that can just draw a lot of cards, they're trying to make each one of their cards count for as much mm-hmm. as possible, which I think is very much a mid-range thing. Uh, but that helps them go long against decks that can you know sweep the board and then, oh, they've still got four creature lands in play. I'm not going to be able to overcome that. Um, did you say that Love Struck Beast was a main... Or a I card, didn't or say that Love Struck Beast was a must-have. I think that that's one of the options in three drop that has been very good. Um, so Love Struck Beast, of course, you know, was a big standard all-star. It's been in and out of Pioneer, uh, but you know, just being a five-five right now is what makes Love Struck Beast very good. It blocks and trades with um, everything. The big black creatures and uh, yeah, 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 pretty yeah. much everything Shield- with Shieldred. 
Shieldred. Yeah, I can safely say that uh, as a as a person that plays Pioneer, and I'm, a lot of decks that I gravitate towards are a lot more of the slower decks. So some of these issues that I do have with some of these cards, like the scarier ones, are Love Struck Beast. That thing hits for five. Mm. That's big. That's a lot. That's that's a lot of my life total. And if you add a mm-hmm. Reckless Stormseeker to it, oh my god, I am dead. Mm. I'm dead on the board. Mm-hmm. Those are the two scariest yep, cards I, to always see, in my opinion. That that's the other one. You know, we we talked about it as a card, but that one's the two three that can give something haste. And on the backside, it's a three four that gets gives plus two plus zero trample and haste, and can give that to itself. So that one can also swing for five if your opponent's that, just kind that of that uh, tramples messing really around. Really important. <laughs> really important. The trample is extremely important in this deck, and you've got things like a Seekus Chariot. You've got Love Struck Beast. Those just big creatures that don't have another way to get through. Uh, that that's a really important card, I think, for that to be able to do so. Um. So. The other option in three drop that I don't see here that I do see sometimes is we do see some versions that are playing Fable the Mirror Breaker. I mm-hmm. uh, wanted to talk to you guys about like when that's good versus when that's bad. I think that is more of a grindy mid-range card, much less aggressive than a Love Struck Beast or a Reckless Storm Seeker. Um, so I'm wondering like if you like seeing, you know, it's a very popular card. It's obviously a great card. To, uh, the It's one of the best cards, Pioneer kind of thing. But I'm wondering whether you like that in the deck or not. I, I mean, I would think like against a Rakdos, um, uh, a Rakdos meta, I would like to have the Fable of the Mirror Breaker more, just you know, so you get get to see more cards, get more card, uh, more value from your cards, or I mean, you can filter out your cards better and stuff like that. What do you think, though, Ashiak? I think that Fable should be nowhere near this deck at any point ever. Mm-hmm. I think that Fable is so slow for this deck. It, it like th- when you're going for a rate when you're an aggressive strategy because I would say that this is more of an aggressive deck. Uh, and Fable the Mirror Breaker just adds slow grindy card value, eke out your val or sorry, eke out your value against your opponent type strategy. And that's just not what this deck's trying to do. If my opponent at some point goes turn two, play up three mana two two, I don't really care. Whatever. Sure, you have a 3-mana 2-2 that like, can filter your value. It's giving me time, and that's what I don't want. I'm oh, sorry, that's what I wouldn't want from this deck if I was personally playing it. I don't want to try to give my opponent time. I just want to try to kill them as quickly as possible. And I think that other cards do that better than Fable the Mirror Breaker. I do agree that Fable the Mirror Breaker is a really good card. I just don't think it should be anywhere near this deck. Okay, I, I think what I've always liked about it in the red-green versions that have played it, you know, not even always as a 4-of, is I always have liked the interaction with Asika's Chariot. You know, the Chariot can copy the Goblin. It can copy the Treasure Token. It can even, with the backside, you can create a copy of a token, or copy of a creature you control, and then copy that token with Asika's Chariot, and that one won't go away at the end of the turn. Um, so I've always liked having both of those cards together as like a mid-range core, but that's definitely more of a, a grindy, not as an aggressive version of the deck. Yeah, I've seen an entirely different take on the uh, deck guys, uh, deck's idea with uh, with Combat Celerant alongside um, mm-hmm. uh, Fable the Mirror Breaker to be able to create an infinite combat step. Uh, combat Celerant's a 4-1, uh, 3-mana card from Almonket that says whenever it attacks, you can exert it. And then you get an additional combat phase. So it goes infinite with a flipped fable and any Llanowar Elves or Elvish Mystic. So you just get infinite combat steps, kill your opponent. But I always thought that that was really janky. And then we saw people cut the combat celebrant for a bit and just try fable. Yeah. And I think that was even worse. I think that that only lasted like a week, if that. Hmm. Yeah, I, I was one of those first people that did that deck, actually. The, uh, the combat celebrant combo. And then we, we made... Island go same played on stream and then he won with it and then it was showing up everywhere. Yeah, and then and then people started having their combat celebrants die to spike field hazard and then stop getting huh. Oh no. Yeah. 
yeah, that that's not the place you really want to be. Um, let's talk two drops real quick, and then there's some other slots I want to talk about yeah, because usually, I think that for a while it was scavenger ooze. Well, I don't um, remember there the being popular. any at all. To be honest, I thought that was like a sideboard card. No, I was... do remember the scavenging ooze phase. Okay. Yeah, I never loved the four of scavenging ooze in the main. Like, it just didn't feel like there were quite enough targets you wanted to hit in the right matchups like there were some matchups where it was really good but i feel like those were already matchups where you were okay as a deck um i've seen uh so the, the one that i think you were pushing was werewolf pack leader so do you want to talk about that one real quick i would love to uh so just going back to a little bit of the skews before i segue into this just so i can give a clearer picture sure yeah talk um, about the skews too so when i was originally approaching this deck it was i think i can finally talk about this i think i don't have to worry about it um we were, we were, I was in a testing discord with a lot of people for the American RC and I was trying to help out them with this deck because they, a lot of them gravitated towards this deck because if we remember before the RC, this deck was like the hot deck. Like it was the deck that mm. everyone expected that was going to be like one of the more o- overrepresented decks from what it originally was. Like people were like, hey, this has to be on our radar because it's starting to win challenges. It's really good and it's beating red black. Uh, and Something that was trying to be run in the deck was we were, we were testing Karn the Great Crater in this deck. We were testing hmm. um, a bunch of other random two drops. And I I just, I always looked at this deck and I was always like, Skews is just the worst two drop in this deck. There has to be something <laughs> yes. more playable. There just has to be. And when I was looking through cards, especially through the Brothers War set, um, there wasn't that much that was interesting. The only thing that was really interesting was the two mana three three legendary. I don't remember his name. I think it's like Hafar or something random. But Hajar, yeah. Hajar. There we go. Um, but I ended up, uh, I ended up suggest, or I never, I never ended up coming up to the idea of Werewolf Pack Leader. I think it was mentioned at some point in our testing Discord, and we didn't. Re- we were still playing four Mutavolt at the time, so we weren't able to really balance the the two green mm. with the mm. mutavolts because it was just really awkward on the mana if your Lanawar elf died and so we kind of just like took a step back from it but someone named uh happy sandwich who i talked to at the canadian rc is a really great guy uh started explaining to me why werewolf pack leader was good and i think the werewolf pack leader is now the premium two drop slot in this deck it doesn't die to stomp it's a two mana three three which is really relevant as it's one of the most played removal spells and it does something that no other card really does in this deck which is create card advantage and it's something that this deck really lacks and it it's creating card advantage in a way that already just tries to go with this deck's main game yeah. plan, which is attacking. It synergizes. It wants to attack, with, preferably with power six or greater. It already wants to do that. So the fact that you get to draw a card and create more card advantage and create more pressure and scale up your board that way just makes sense for this deck. To me, it's a no-brainer. Okay. Um, I'm very curious what other two drops you guys tried because you know there's one oh. that I've been liking playing in the deck, but nobody else seems to care about at all. I, I there was there was phases of different. I think we were trying a lot more of the red two drops than a lot more of the green two oh, okay. drops. I don't think we really ever like came up with because like we always thought green was the secondary color in this deck, so we never really wanted mm. to try a lot of those green cards. So that's why World Pack Leader was kind of like immediately dismissed because we were so focused on red cards. Uh, I I forgot all of them we tried, but we tried a few. I. I think the funniest one was direfully Daredevil as like a meme against um uh the blue decks, but it never ended up working out. Is that the one okay, that uh, gives c- haste or first strike? No, or that's the one that steals an instant or sorcery from them, and then you can cast. Oh, it. that one. This was still when we were yeah. playing Fable, and we weren't playing Karn anymore. But we we enjoyed Karn a lot, so we tried to make that strategy work. 
Um, how about Ranger Class? That's another one that I think I've seen as like a one of on top of some of the other things. I've seen that in the Stompy decks, not so much the the vehicle decks. Yeah, I think the fact that you're a vehicles deck means that you don't have more creatures in your deck, which means Ranger's Class is slightly worse. Mm. Mm, that makes sense. Um, okay, can I suggest my crazy one that I feel like nobody else wants to I'm play? So uh, Root, Root Wire Amalgam is what I've been messing ah, with. Ah, yes, that guy. Um, that was one we originally tested, but then we kind of just realized that we were never activating it, and there's probably oh. better cards than a 2-mana <laughs> 2-3. Two two, yeah. Even if it's sometimes a 5-mana five 5-5 five five or a 7-mana whatever. Yeah. I think I casted it once on that half, the 5-mana the, the card, and then I died the next turn. So, yeah, it's a bit good for me. I mean, it, it's worked out. You know, I've gotten to do it a few times where, like, you know, you cast it and then you can copy it with the. Now you're talking my style, but sadly, when we're trying to we're trying to win tournaments, so we 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 gotta kind of put some fun away. Uh you can like you know copy the chariot, like copy the token with it. Oh, so it's value value for days. Yeah, yeah. So there was another card I wanted to point out since we're talking about the, you know, kind of the core cards. I don't know if this is a core card yet, but recently it seems like a lot of people are playing the Crowan War um, in the main deck. Yes, yeah, so Crowan War has been super good. I think that's a really important card for the deck. You know, that one, it's the saga that steals one of their creatures and then makes it so that they have to attack and then it deals damage equal power to all the creatures that are in play. And it basically just like completely shuts down a lot of energy. It's for green, right? Um, it's for green, but it also has some other matchups like Rakdos. It's always just really good against because you you have to think about okay, where is the best place for this card? Why is it being played? And if we try to think about it, uh, the most common play pattern that we end up seeing from Mono Green is I would ca- classify Cavalier of Thorns as their most common three drop slash four drop that they play, and the best response mm-hmm. to that. Mm-hmm to a 5-6 that you can't attack through with the majority of your creatures, take the thing. Take it and kill them with it. And that's exactly what a Coron War is trying to do. It, it takes hmm. it from them for a long amount of time. It helps clear their board. It forces them to start uh, to, to use their mana for, or, their, or sorry, it forces them to tap down their Lanavar Elves on the turn where they have to attack. So yeah. you're able to attack a lot more efficiently into them. And it, it just swings that matchup. That's why I, I believe that Boats has a really good matchup against Gruul, is depending on how many Akroan Wars you run in them. That's how you decide to approach that matchup. If you really want to beat green, you can just run four Akroan War. If you don't want to beat green and you want to try to have like a fine Rakdos matchup, because like this does also do a lot against Rakdos. It kill- the board white mode on this card against Rakdos is a lot more relevant, because I can't think of a single creature that doesn't die to this. Shieldred dies, Death Touch, Bonecrusher Giant gone, Graveyard Trespasser gone, Blood Tie Flowers are mm-hmm. gone. It, it's just, it's a. Yeah. Kalidus. That card, that, that card's like old. We haven't seen that one in a minute. Uh, but it's still just, it, it's just a house against them. It just, you want to see it. And enchantments are something that's very hard to interact with as the Rakdos player. Green now has Haywire Might, which makes it a little bit more awkward. But. What does what does Red Black have? Feed the Swarm. If you see a Feed the Swarm and your opponent's seventy five from Red Black, they wanted it You're more. Winning. They wanted it more. <laughs> they wanted it okay. more. They wanted uh, it more. But yeah, I'm I'm really surprised when I see Feed the Swarm. I'm like you're playing Feed the Swarm in Black, really? It's it, they wanted. I'm it always more. shocked to see it. That's yeah. Yeah, what's funny is I think I've actually found the deck to be even more... It's That card specifically is very good against the aggro lists, like the random ones that show up in the format. So, you know, you're playing against something like a Spirits or a uh, Humans deck, and 
you play this down and you take their biggest creature and then like, okay, you can block with it, but they also just like, they can't add to the board because those creatures are all going to end up dying. So it, it really slows them down by a turn or two, which is often all you really need to be able to catch up in those kind of matchups. As well as just being like a good anti-aggro card in general. Yeah, there's a lot of cute niche interactions that you don't really understand just by looking at a Crone War in this deck. Because I do agree, if I was just getting into this format and I knew a base about it, base amount of magic, a Crone War looks really awkward in this deck. But once you start playing with this card, you realize why it's in this deck. It is just it is so good against a lot of the format. Against Mono White, uh, I think it's a little bit more on like the weaker side because of cards like Thalia that interact with it and cards like uh, Sky Club Apparition we're seeing a little bit more out of them. Uh, but again, I still think it's like still pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree on that. So I think it covers most of the cards that we were going to talk about, right? Uh, I think so. Uh, no, there's a few more mm. things we want to talk about. I, I think I want to discuss the removal because I feel like the removal suite is another interesting thing here. You know, right now we're kind of looking at the Strangle was the card mm. that they were going to for a long time. And now we've kind of got Obliterating Bolt. We saw like Roast in there for a while. We saw like Mizium Mortars. Um, basically a lot of different options in that yeah, one we, to two we, mana slot. We should have switched to Obliterating Bolt from the old cards. Well, first off, it was um, uh, Lava Coil, which got str- uh, strictly better with Obliterating Bolt. Yes, yes. But we did see cards mm. like Mizium Mortars that existed for a while, but then the prevalence of Old Growth Troll, you needed Obliterating Bolt, which is, again, I think the reason that we saw, see these lists moving towards more of Obliterating Bolt versus Strangle is Old Growth Troll, because there's nothing worse than being a creature deck and then seeing your opponent go turn to 4-4. You're just stonewalled a lot of the time. So being able to actually affect... Uh, sorry, being able to effectively interact with them is just the most important reason for Obliterating Bolt. Yeah, I guess so. But, you know, you kind of have to care about whether or not you want to kill the turn one elf. Um, The last thing I definitely want to talk about with this deck, though, is a bit about the sideboard. Like, this one kind of just has a collection of random good cards. And that's a little bit of what I see in these red-green sideboards, is that it's like, oh, you know, like Rending Volley, um, Hazret, Unlicensed Hearst, you know, some Amora Crow and Wars, some random Planeswalkers, some Ember Cleaves. Like, you just kind of get to put in... So you do have decisions, and you do have a lot of agency. I think the last thing that I want to touch on for the main deck is just the mana base. And I think the biggest question that a lot of people end up having with this deck is how many mutable to run, because it is a colorless mm, source. Yeah. And it's mm. a really hard man land, especially with the man land distribution that we were talking about earlier. So the list that we are talking about currently uh, has one den, three layer, two mutavolt, and one Sokenzin as their main creature lands. Um, also, shout out to the one mana confluence in the deck. I see you putting in that work um, <laughs> as, the, as, a, mm. as, a, as an extra duel while we wait for Coppelang Gorge to come out in the next set. Um, anyway... I think, I think that we are currently on the two mutable until we get better fixing. I think that if you're playing an egg more man lands, I think it's really awkward playing more lair because it is so mana intensive and it gets a lot more awkward because you are trying to play these three drops and these uh, expensive four drops like Essica's Chariot and uh, the Akron War. So it, it becomes like a really weird game of like balance and chess and trying to figure out exactly what the right amount is. But I do agree it's somewhere around five to seven or maybe even eight man lands in the deck. How do you feel about that? Yeah, yeah, for me, I think the big part about the man lands is that they really help you fight against like mid-range and control decks is that 
they're the one way that you have to kind of go and like get yourself some card advantage because you're not really playing like draw spells or you're not playing anything that's going to you know draw you raw cards but you do have these that let you you know go later into the game when you're you know your opponent's one for one in your creatures and you've just got like five six seven eight man lands in the deck sometimes like this one's got you know the three layers the one sekens and the two muta vaults i've seen up to four muta vaults in many versions yeah, so it's very important to just like have as many of those to fight against those blue, white, and red, black decks. No, I agree. You, you do need a lot more of Manlands to be able to fight against a lot of more of these controlling archetypes, or even especially Phoenix. Oh, yeah, yeah. I wanted to ask real quick about Copper Line Gorge. It's coming. We're going to get it. What will it take out of the deck? I mean, it it will improve the deck. How will it improve the deck? I want to talk about that a little bit. Like, where, where do you guys see Copper Line Gorge fitting in when it does come out? I personally think that, well, we, we and currently in the list that we are trying to talk about, we are talking about Mana Confluence in those lists. I think that's the first one to go. Uh, mm-hmm. Also with me, I think I, I think Mutavolt is like a okay man land. Obviously, it has some synergies with some of these cards. However, I do think that the more consistent mana base is more appealing, in my opinion. Uh, especially with this uh, format being centered around, can you remove a turn one Lana or Elf? Or are you playing a turn one Lana or Elf? Mm-hmm. Um and I think the next card that gets caught is the sadly the new ones we just got, which is the Painlands. Uh, mm-hmm. They're they're obviously really good for the format. We're very thankful we got the rest of the cycle. Yeah. However, they just taking it uh, the amount of times we've had to see my opponent lose three or four life over a game in a game over Carpeslian Forest. Yeah, sorry, it, I think that one gets cut. Oh yeah, totally. Agree. I think that yeah, one gets still... trimmed, trimmed, not cut, but like trimmed. Yeah, yeah. Now I think this will be like one or two of those, just because you know you always want to have either or color if you can but uh yeah kevin you agree with that then yeah yeah um so you know we went over the decks the the core cards of the deck i thought um maybe i'd ask you ashiok if you just want to talk about um what you think the best current build is i know you shared a a list with us this has a sideboard maybe you can kind of go over that as well but tell us you know what are the cards in uh in this this list and why do you like them uh, so the list that I ended up sharing was uh, one from uh, an MTGO user by the name of Happy Sandwich. I'm blanking on his real human name. Um, however, I had the pleasure of having a good conversation with him at the RC Calgary. Uh, I met him through Andy Awkward on Twitter. Uh, and we just kind of started talking about the deck for a little bit. And I just kind of liked his list. Uh, I, ta- I asked him about Werewolf Pack Leader, where he got it from. He just said he was trying a whole bunch of two drops. And I basically reiterated his reason when i was talking about why pack leader was so good because you know you get to attack draw cards it's just it works with the game plan so well and it just seems like something i feel like so silly for overlooking um however i do think that this list is just the most clean i do think you do want uh his his numbers are just so clean with uh everything being a four of in the deck card wise minus three sky sovereign three a crown wharf two obliterating bolt uh, I don't think you. I think those are the exact amount of removal spells that you need. Like uh, you have uh, four. Or, or sorry, you have six early on with Bone Crusher Giant, and then for the late mm-hmm. game, you are still able to interact with Sky Sovereign. And I yep. think this sideboard is really clean. I do really like that he's like. I think we've become a lot more centered around companions, and so the fact that he was so I, w- I want to say brave going against what people are normally thinking about, which is just always trying to run Jeff and cutting it for Werewolf Pack Leader, and important sideboard cards like Embercleave. Uh, he has a Chandra Awaken mm-hmm. Inferno in this list, which I'm not entirely sold on, <laughs> but like huh. he's the winner, not me. So maybe he has a really good reason. Yeah, I miss that we're not even running uh, Gigantha here. Mm. Uh, and I think that Gigantha... I do think that we, yeah. as a competitive mindset, when I say we, I mean a competitive mindset. 
uh, players just kind of are so overvaluing companions because um, just a free extra card. Uh, however, I do think one of the bigger innovations that also came from him, at least I, I do believe it was from him, uh, was the Hazrets in the board. I, I only started mm. seeing them recently when I started seeing his lists, and I have loved the Hazrite in the board. It's been such a house whenever I've seen it being played. Uh, whenever the, whenever yeah. in those matchups, it's so good. Do you have a different take? I would love to hear it. No, yeah, I think I agree with that. Like, I, I get. I think the thing with the um, losing the companion is that again, it's kind of just like deciding what matchups you want to be good against. Because once again, that's huh. just something you need to do with your mono when you get into the late game, and you want to have just like a big body against some of these decks. Like, it's something that's big enough to trade against um, Shieldred, which I think has been really important for having a random five-five. Like, does some work. Uh, I do like the rest of this sideboard, though. There are some cool things. And like I said, you kind of just get to play some whatever good cards are good in your sideboard. And uh, a bit of a smorgasbord, and it's going to be what you want to be hating against. Like, do you want to play these Damping Spheres to hate against Mono Green? And, uh, you know, is Damping Spheres still the best card for beating the Mono Green deck? Because I assume that that's there for that and for, like, Lotus Field, right? So maybe it's me, but I don't like Damping Sphere anymore. I've fallen out of love with it just because seeing so many green decks just always Boseju it, or any other deck that it's good against, they always have an answer for it. So I'm kind of anti-Damping Sphere now. I mean, what do you guys think, though? I'm still very pro-Damping Sphere. I think you might not have yeah. been playing as much Lotus as I've been playing against. Like Lotus, yeah. It's online, though. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure if I buy it, like, I think against Mono Green, I don't like the Damping Sphere because I don't know if it just does enough. Like, they have a lot of ways to shut it down, but I think that you really, really want it against Lotus Field. Uh, I'm not sure what else you could really run there. Like, I could see maybe instead... No, I, do think, I do agree with the Stone Brain. Against Mono Green, you probably would just want to... Uh, I, I do... Th- I do th- like... Go for it. Yeah, Stone Brain makes sense. I was say, what about the Alpine Moon? Alpine Moon's a little the bit one more mana, awkward because it does give your opponent the color, and the Dampening Sphere like the tax doesn't really matter and also the fact that we were, we're talking about this like struggling mana base as well i i don't know i think dampening sphere just like works the best you know what's the most consistent because it also does slow them down from like casting spells in a turn that's true i also believe that you obviously they do have a lot of removal spells for it with lotus and i think you're, you're just trying to buy time you just need to buy time for a little bit while you just try to develop your own board and kill them quickly mm-hmm. and i think that dampening sphere is just the cleanest answer the other one I've seen that okay. people used to play is like, what is it? Nissa's Defeat is like the three mono one that can destroy a target planeswalker. Uh, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Oh God. It's such a bad card. It's so bad. No, it like draws you a card or something. Hang on, let me let me yeah. look it up real quick. Yeah, so it's forest. I think it yeah, goes I guess against it's a forest. Yeah, it destroys well. a forest, a green enchantment, or a green planeswalker. So like, it could destroy the forest that they've put all their enchantments or they're like uh, put their troll onto. I guess after you killed it. Yeah, yeah. On 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 land, they do. Not sure if that's gonna yep. be good. Enough. It's really cute. It's so cute, but it's so efficient. It's it, it's really cute. Yeah, I'm it, not sure. I, if it's I, like I don't that, think it's like right, but it's cute. That card is kind of like reminds me of that black. Um, uh, what was it? It's a Journey into Nyx card or something that we saw the instant that kills the black creatures. It's like super, super fringe like side attack. I think you're talking about Noxious Grasp, and I don't think it's from Journey. No, 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 no. Yeah. There's a one mana instant from like Journey into Nyx oh, that's no, no, just destroyed no, no, yeah. black creatures. There, there was a whole cycle of them in that oh, set. Was like, uh, black Dark Betrayal, Dark Betrayal. Kevin, we talked about it a few episodes ago. Yeah, yeah, I'll yeah. Have to find that. But anyways, it, it's fringe, and I don't think people should probably be playing that. Um, should we talk matchups real quick? Yeah, I'd love to go into matchups. 
Like, what are its good matchups? What are its bad matchups? I mean, Kevin, I don't know. Maybe you want to uh, start us off. Like, uh, you've been playing this a little bit, right? Uh, while we wait yeah. for Kevin to figure out his situation, I'll talk oh, about my... Okay. Oh, uh, yep, I'm here. I'm here. Sorry, we must have been muted. Um, I, I've played a little bit, and maybe I'm not the best person to talk about it, but I do think, you know, we kind of talked about Red Black. We kind of talked about... Uh, Mono White's not the best. I think the worst are like the control decks and the combo decks. Like I think that this is just a little bit too slow to usually fight against the um, specifically the uh, Lotus Field mm-hmm. deck. Maybe you have a different opinion because I think you've been playing a more aggressive version than I have. Um, when I was playing this a while ago, you you have to understand that I haven't played touched this deck since Brothers War. But the matchups, the the decks haven't changed too 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 much, and I can basically envision the changes. Uh, I do think that this deck has a positive or has a really weak matchup against the enchantments deck, which is the thing I've been playing a lot post Brothers War. Uh, it, it just it doesn't it's not able to efficiently attack into a lot of like e- sorry it's not able to efficiently play against a lot of decks with a lot of cheap good interaction like control. Um, I th- mm. the only matchup I'm not too too sure about is like the Phoenix matchup. I think it's bad, but. I, I mm. I'm not sure with the Gruel Minerals deck. From my experience, it was bad. I didn't enjoy because like they have they're they're able to disrupt your Elvish Mystic really early on. This deck's not playing a whole lot of two drops. It's only playing four, and your removal spells aren't that great into them. Um, it just it's always just really awkward playing against them like that. And I do think that Lotus Field you do have to try to go quick, and this deck doesn't go as quick because you are playing a lot more of these mid range strategies. Like game one, you're a dog because you have six dead, uh, eight dead cards in your deck. That being the obliterating bolts, the crone wars, the sky sovereigns, and Essica's chariot is also insanely slow. Yeah, Essica's chariot I is so slow to try and kill. Uh, the lotus matchup with. involves entirely on did you draw reckless storm seeker? That is mm-hmm. how that matchup works. <laughs> uh, and I think you you see a lot of the same for like type of control or sorry control types. I think the matchups got a lot better now that you have access to or sorry now that the idea has been found for werewolf pack leader because you do need the card advantage especially in that matchup. But I do think it's very rare that you're even able to attack with six power in that deck against control. It is very rare you've been able to. But yeah, you always get always worry about the uh, emperor and um, otherworldly light and and stuff like that. Yeah, the wandering emperor, she ain't wandering no more. She found her targets, and it's my reckless stormseekers hmm. and my bone crusher giants. Huh. Those are at least the matchups um, that I'm aware of, uh, and I do think that this has a really good red black matchup, which I think is like the entire draw. Of this mm-hmm. deck. I think that's exactly why you want to play it. Yeah, that, that's red a big black part of it. Is the best. That's how it came into being. The conditions were right, conditions and were it just appeared. Yeah. All right. Anything else that you want to talk about with this deck, or do you want to move on to uh, letting Ryan talk about Angels no, for a little while? I think I'm ready to hear Ryan talk about Angels. I'm very excited. Wonderful. Yeah, so I've been playing Angels for a well, while. Yeah, so now we're moving on to Pioneer 102, the Angels topic. Um, so Angels, I kind of feel like... People say it's an aggro deck, and yeah, I guess it is an aggro deck. It feels like it's a more of a I don't know beatdown deck though. It's not so much like the hyper aggro that you 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 see when you imagine aggro like mono red or something like that. But it does. It's more kind of like how could I say? It's like spirits without the without the the tempo. I think that's it's a like really good way of it. Yeah, you you you're you're trying to. Uh... I would say counter other aggressive decks while also being yeah. an aggressive deck. 
Yeah. I think that's the entire draw of it because spirits, the reason that you were drawing the spirits is because it's an aggressive deck that interacts really well. And mm-hmm. you don't really need that type of interaction a lot more nowadays, especially with the current format. Uh, that's why we see a lot more of a fall off of Bant Spirits and we see a lot more of a fall off of Mono Blue Spirits. The reason we see a lot of Celestia Angels appearing is because decks like Gruul have a really hard time yeah. trying to interact with these flying creatures. Uh, same, same goes for Rakdos. Same High goes toughness for, as well. Yeah, they got big butts. Angels have big butts. And there's just a lot of must-kill threats within this deck that yeah. just you snowball so hard with this deck. And it being a Coco deck just means you'll even snowball even harder. Yeah, I think the big problem with it, though, is that there's not a lot of good early drops. I feel like, you know, when you talk about Spirits, you talk about the other aggro decks, you have amazing one-drops um, and two-drops uh, that can really put a lot of pressure on your opponent very quickly. This has a lot of three drops the three drops can just automatically get you back in the game though if you do land them especially with the collected company um but uh but yeah i guess i don't know should we, should we talk about card choices real quick like uh the core cards of the deck yeah yeah go car go core cards first. all right so core cards um you know you, you need to have two drops in the stack those core cards are giada um so giada is the the two two angel that lets you uh get another counter equal to the uh, number of angels already in play whenever another angel enters battlefield. It can also be used to uh, play an angel card, which is uh, sometimes useful. Uh, another uh, core card of the stack is Youthful Valkyrie, which is the the 1-3 flying angel. Uh, the uncommon, it's like, it's 20 bucks here in Japan almost, but it's like $6 everywhere else. Um, but it gets bigger whenever you play another angel. Uh, Bishop of Wings, uh, that's the 1-4 uh, cleric, human cleric that. It's a double white, by the way, that uh, whenever an angel enters the battlefield, you get plus four life. And then also whenever an angel dies, you get a 1-1 one, one, uh, spirit, which is actually pretty uh, pretty relevant when you come up against uh, decks that board wipe you without exile. Um, and then after that, you hit you hit the, uh, the three drops, which are kind of expensive. And I would say the core cards at three are the Righteous Valkyrie. Which are the uh, the two four from Kaldheim with flying that uh, whenever a cleric or angel enters the battlefield, you gain life equal to its toughness. Uh, and then if you have, I think twenty seven life, if it's seven more than your uh, your original life total, then uh, all your creatures get plus two plus two, and that's a very key card, uh, finishing games quickly at least. Uh, Resplendent Angel is another uh, key card or core card of the deck. Uh, it's the uh, three three, I think M nineteen Angel, uh, one in white and a white. Uh, it has flying. Whenever you gain five life in a turn, you get to put a uh, four-four angel t- token with vigilance into play. And it also has the uh, activated ability. If you pay six mana, so three white and uh, three colorless, you can uh, give it plus two, plus two, and life link. And uh, the other core card of the deck is Skyclave Apparition, and uh, that is uh, kind of your, your removal because there's not really anything like Bone Crusher Giant that you can use in in this deck. That's you know. Uh, going to kill stuff early on. You basically you're, you're praying and hoping that you hit a Skyclave apparition to get rid of whatever card is about to ruin your day. Uh, like I said, collected companies in here as well. And the other new card, uh, I guess I would consider this the uh, the new core card is Kyla's Re- Reconstruction, which is the uh, white, 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 and X. And uh, you look at the top seven cards instead of six from Coco. I love this card. And uh, you can put up the X artifact or uh, creature cards into play, which I like that ability to be able to hit an artifact as well, because that kind of comes into uh, 
comes into um how can i say uh use when you're uh, playing sideboard cards and stuff like that mm -hmm. uh lands um, real quick branch laugh branch loft pathways four of brush lands of course uh overgrown farmlands uh and temple gardens and i think that's like going to be your core cards of the, the the deck i mean do you guys want to comment do you think there there are any other core cards or do you think the rest are kind of flex spots uh, I personally agree with a lot of what was said currently. Uh, I do, however, think that you do need some amount of channel lands in this deck, and I would say that those are pretty core to the deck, mm. uh, with the Aganjo and Baseju. Uh, other than mm. that, I think you hit the nail on the head pretty well. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, there's not as much room for variation with this deck, just because there are fewer angels, and you kind of have to be playing the mm -hmm. angels. Um, um, should we talk about I mean, if you, if you guys want to talk about the core, do you want to talk about alternatives? Because I know there's a couple cards in here that are kind of flex spots. I mean, what do you what do you guys think of these choices? Is there anything else that people could play? Like, for example, Inspiring Overseer, uh, the 2-1 flyer, uh, draw a card, it's an angel. Um, I don't like it because it's got a, a really weak body. I don't like the card advantage so much. A lot of people are playing, or I would say before, people are playing Realm Walker, the Changeling 2-3. Ryan hates card advantage. Yeah, but I mean <laughs> that's our tagline. <laughs> but I mean it's it, it it was a two three um, changeling choose a creature type when it comes into play, um, and then you can look at the top of your library if it's that creature type you can play it. I like that more than I like overseeing or overseer in my opinion. I think that's a good possible um, uh, what's uh, alternative. Yeah. Uh, personally, I think that inspiring overseer has been a little bit on the lackluster side. But again, you're really like struggling for cards in this deck. However, something that I've seen on Twitter recently on like a little bit more of like a blow up side for like a, a flex mm -hmm. slot in this deck is Prosperous, Prosperous Innkeeper. And I think that is something that people just haven't yeah. considered as much. Uh, Prosperous Innkeeper making a treasure on ETB means that we get more turn three collect a company in this deck, which I mm -hmm. think, I don't know, I think casting Coco a turn earlier is good. I don't really know. I don't play much magic. But I think the biggest part that a lot of people don't really notice is the whenever something enters the battlefield, you gain an additional life. And the reason that this works mm. really, really well is because that Resplendent Angel needs five. And the awkward part is there's a Bishop of Wings in the deck, which only gains four. So now that you have both in play, it means you're more consistently hitting the Resplendent Angel extra effect, which is, again, scaling the board to be able to just crush your opponent and win. Wasn't there another three mana angel that you, whenever you gain life, you gain extra life? It was like a uncommon 2-2, two, two, and if you have uh, 25 life, you get like plus two, plus two, and becomes a 4-4 four, four flyer. I don't actually know. That card sounds familiar, but all I can think about is uh, the one mana one. Well, it's like M19 or something like that. That's all I can yeah. think about. But um, other other good flex slots that I think this deck uh, is... Uh, that's that, Sorry, the other flex slots in this deck that does see play is Skyclave Cleric as like the 26th yeah. land, if it's ever necessary. 20, 25th land, I think. Uh, I or this the, is list playing, the, the list I'm playing. Yeah. This this plus this list is playing twenty five. I don't think twenty five is correct. I think I mean I don't think twenty six is correct. I think twenty five, uh, including the uh, how can I say dual face card. Yeah, and I don't hate that. I I, I honestly don't know what is what is correct because I am, I, you you have to understand your skills as a player and mana bases are not my skill. I do not know how to build a mana base. So maybe I'm so, wrong, but I do believe that it, uh, it is pretty important. Yeah, I think this kind of has the same problem as like spirits always had, where you kind of need to play a few too many lands because you need to hit mm -hmm. that four drop f five slot. But you know, you don't really have the curve to support it. You don't have a lot of mana sinks in this deck, so it definitely um, a little bit of weakness in that. This deck can definitely get flooded. 
Uh, that happens quite a bit, I think, with it. You know, if you're not getting your value cards, if you're playing against a deck that has a lot of one-for-one interaction, what? and they're able to keep everything off the board, that really slows the deck down and can stop it entirely. Uh, that That is what I like about Kayla's Rec and Reclamation, is being another kind of collector company mm-hmm. for the deck, because it's just so important to yeah. hit it. And it's something that oh. scales, too, especially with the lands in this mm-hmm. deck. You're making land drop every turn, and this card scales really well for this deck. So, um, other than Skyclave uh, cleric, there's also the uh, the 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 pain lane, the three three damage, or make it was it make two two angels, two four four angels, and your non angel cards gain uh, uh, indestructible until the end of turn. What is it? Miria's what? I believe Miria's call. Yeah. What do you guys think of that instead of the Skyclave Skyclave cleric as like your your alternative? I mean, does going down to you know, 12, two drops, is that kind of just make it a little bit too slow? I think it's not just that it's slow. The other issue is that with Collected Company, and again, Kayla's Reclamation as well, you want to be getting a lot of value for it. Um, so if you're hitting more mm-hmm. two drops with your Cocos, that makes your Cocos less valuable. So you, you kind of do want a little bit of a glut of three drops, even when it seems like your curve okay. is a bit out of whack. And um, the upgrade the upgrade mm-hmm. of the three life is just not like is just not worth the tap land. Or sorry, so the difference that we were seeing here is like you can pay three life to have the Mirrors Call come into play untapped. But I don't think that I do agree with the point that it is just better to run the extra creature. It is necessary, and I mean, okay. you're usually just chumping with it anyway. It's just ETB make mm-hmm. two life. Maybe you get an angel. It's just like a little cute card. It's obviously not your best card, but I do think it's just necessary. Yeah, I mean, if you have a uh, righteous Valkyrie in play, it's four life basically, because it's a cleric. Plus, you get the two life when it enters. What do you guys think of Nykthos? Is it is it just being too cute, or is it actually like a good a good addition here? I think it's cute, but I think it's cute uh, not in the same way that whatever the Cardness's defeat was cute. I think it's cute mm-hmm. because it's it's really awkward. It's real awkward when you when you look at this deck with like a fine microscope, you can see a lot of white sources are really necessary mm-hmm. for this deck. But the thing that you also need to realize is that Nekthos loves those white sources, just not in the early turns. And I think this card just enables you to go over top in the mirror or other very board state stall type matchups. And I think as a one-of, it's fine because when you draw it, it's either going to be really, really, really good or really, really, really bad. And you can have your one-ofs do that sometimes. You can have your silver bullets. Um, the other white land um, that some people are playing is Cave of the Frost Dragon. And I'm wondering, is this better to play or worse than play than just having like another Aganjo or something like that? I think it's fine. I think it's cute again, but I think it's just something that's necessary again. Like being able to have another flyer to be able to attack. I don't think it has any relevant key types for any of the creatures in play or sorry, the creatures Mm -hmm. that exist within the deck. But again, another matchup that's like can be hard sometimes is the more controlling decks. So having something that they need to interact with you at instant speed at, with rinse speed removal is just a core to this deck. Hmm. So I want to give you guys some, um, how can I say, some other alternatives that I've been playing with, and I want you to tell me what you think. So I totally changed this this deck around. I've been playing this uh, in paper at my local events here in Yokohama. And so I've been playing with Masked Vandal. I dropped, I didn't go with uh, four Giada, I went with three Giada. Um, and, uh, you know, I dropped the... Uh, uh, the overseers as well, and uh, you know I'm using that just because I have so many, 
so many art sorry, enchantments that I want to get rid of. I want to get rid of my the my opponent's fables. I want to get rid of anything that Mono Green plays when they get it from their sideboard. I want to get rid of Gruel Boat stuff. And I think Mass Vandal as a changeling that can come into play as an angel and gain you life as well as exile a card is a really good addition. But what do you guys think? I think it's a it's a it's a really interesting innovation. I think it's a one of those pick your matchups type cards. Where if you're expecting a lot of mono green or enchantments or bugs, hmm. yeah, seems Kruger great. Fires Go, as for well, right? yeah. Go for it. Go for it. Even enchanties like Igneticking Fires, because uh, you're removing cards like Chain to the Rocks and Leyline Binding. That seems mm-hmm. pretty good. Or Temporary Lockdown. Yeah, that seems pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, th- I think it's yeah, a so... pick your matchups. Fire your bullets. Okay. And the other card that I've been playing is instead of going up to four Skyclave Apparition, I've been kind of doing a split. I have three Skyclave and two Brutal Cathar. Just because I think Brutal Cathar is a little bit better against like mono green matchups. Anything that's like non-black, non-red, it does a pretty good job of of exiling stuff. Yeah. But I don't know. Is that... I think my only beef with that that is the fact that Brutal Cathar isn't a cleric nor an angel. And Mm. I think Skyclave Apparition is a cleric. Apparition. Oh, it's not a no, cleric. No, it's a it's core a spirit. spirit. Um, yeah. No, I think yeah, also just also being able to hit anything is kind of more relevant because I do think a lot of the cards that you do end up hating are the relevant planeswalkers, that being like Karn. Um, yeah. But then, like, you run into a card like a Galgaroth and you can't get rid of it with anything. Yeah. I guess. Which is why I, I consider playing it. I do think it is a. I do think it is a player preference for that one it's whatever you feel like you're wanting to target whatever your bad matchups are i do think that the four sky Clive apparition should be the way to go but if you put like a mm-hmm. couple vertical thar in your deck I, i'm not gonna look at it and be like whoa this person didn't know what they were doing mm-hmm. um kevin anything else you want to say about the main the main deck no you know there's not too much i can add i think the only thing i would talk about is that like there have been some variations i didn't hate the version that was running um what is the infinite or the uh you win the game oh card. the yeah. um book of exalted deeds yeah. was, was something that we saw for a little bit what do, you, what do you guys think about that is that more of a sideboard card could that be something that be it could slide into the the main deck as well as kind of like a you know when you gain three life you get a, a three three angel as well as you know uh if you have this angel in play you you don't lose i you know. think it's quite a meme and the reason i think it's quite a meme is <laughs> yeah. nowadays you're seeing a lot because like you're you're having to run mutavolt you would have to run a, a lot of mutable for that, that card to be like even like insanely good. And we already seen mm-hmm. a popularization of Beseju. If we're trying to make the argument that Book of Exalted Deeds can target any angel that we already have in play that already just exists mm-hmm. without running Mutavolt, it's even worse. And I don't even think you should be running Mutavolt yeah, in this yeah. deck. Because how do you pl- tell me how you plan on playing Bishop of Wings consistently on turn two with or mm-hmm. even the book consistently on turn three with Mutavolt in your deck? It just becomes so awkward. The mana base already struggles. Save yourself the time. Don't do it. Just trust us. And also, I cannot wait for Razor Blur, uh, Razorverse Thicket to be printed for this deck. Razorverse either. Thicket will be big for this deck and auras, but this deck uh, mainly. The le- yeah, the, the less amount of life you have to lose, the better, because then you can hit that uh, yeah. twenty-seven for um, Righteous Valkyrie quicker. And I guess this deck can also kind of just win that same way by just having infinite life mm-hmm. sometimes. Sometimes you have a have a really long matchup because all you did was sit there and gain a bunch of life. Yeah, and that, uh, that's good magic. Fun. Yeah, so <laughs> I was going to say, full disclosure, I uh, made two top eights with, with uh, my version over the last uh, 
few uh, weeks, but uh, those are just like 20 person local events. But still, it's 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 a start. It is a start. I had my yeah, start doing um, that as well. What'd you say? I said I had my start in Magic doing that as well, grinding those 20 player events, top eighting, and then eventually yeah. I was winning challenges. So you got a bright future. Exactly. You, you, I mean, you you get the uh, um, what's what I'm looking for the uh, not the courage, but the the motivation to try those bigger events out when you do well at the, the smaller events. Yeah, yeah, the confidence. There we go. Um, the deck that I wanted to feature, you know, you featured a Happy Sandwich. Um, I wanted to feature uh, Milan uh, Bayanas or MTG Milan's um, Angel deck. He actually got this from his friend, I believe. Yeah, Juju Bean. Uh, uh, but he took it to a uh, a win of a 403-person, uh, sorry, I think it was 403 people RCQ yep. um, online. And uh, his list was pretty much the uh, what I read out, uh, main deck, you know, earlier on. And his sideboard, which I kind of wanted to touch on real quick, he had uh, Deafening Silences, two of. Uh, I'm guessing that's against uh, combo, you know, stuff like Lotus Field and whatnot. Portable Hole. Um, I definitely agree that this kind of slower aggro deck needs to have some turn one plays against aggro. I've lost to Mono Red just because they got me just before I was able to gain life and turn the corner. Because um, you can't really, you know, like you said, you can't uh, explode into Collected Company on turn three. You have to wait for that turn four. Shaper's Sanctuary has been amazingly good. He's playing four in here. Uh, this has been amazingly good against Rakdos or any kind of deck that just wants to like kill all your creatures. Um, Pithing Needle. Pithing Needle, I'm not entirely sure how to use these. I know that they can come in handy against maybe Control to get rid of like their ability to use Teferi or um, what was it? Uh, the Emperor. But also I would think maybe you could play them against uh, Parhelion to stop them from being crude or uh, maybe the Gruel Boat decks maybe to stop those from being crude and maybe... Maybe mono green. What do you guys think? Where, where where do you see pithing needle fitting in? I think I see it fitting in more as like a catch all. Uh, we do see uh, Kayla's reconstruction also being able to hit it. And the reason I mm -hmm. think I, I I was hoping you would mention mono green because I do believe that this card is also just really good against mono green. However, you need to draw it in twos because the first one needs to name Beseju, the second one needs mm -hmm. to name Karn, and I guess the third one ends up needing to name Haywire Might. So all you're doing Wait, is this... creating steps for your opponent to try to have to work through to be able to then pressure them and kill them. You're just trying this to was... buy time. I was going to ask, how does it stop Osage? Is that an activated ability channel, that's in your hand? Channel is an activated ability. What? Yep, that's I did an not activated know ability. that. Well, now you know. Next level, next level deck techie. Um, the other cards uh, they have Archon of Ameria, which I think is another really good card against uh, combo, as well as Mono Green. I've been siding in against them more and more because, like I said, I hate Damping Sphere. Uh, in that matchup, it never seems to do its job. But Archon's like, no, you're not going to cast 14 spells against me this turn. And there's not, I don't think there's any way for them to interact with Archon of Emeria. There's like no fight uh, uh, effects or anything like that. Um, they also have two, he, uh, his his build has uh, two Redain um, in there as well. And I don't know why you want to redeem to be honest i've tried it out i haven't figured it out it doesn't seem like you really have to worry about something like um uh sacrifice because i just throw in shaper sanctuary and it's like whenever they want to ping me i just draw seven cards to like kill any of my creatures and like i guess i don't know the stop four mana cards maybe karuga fires you would play yeah. it against i mean can you guys explain like how that fits 
Uh, I guess I can take the lead on this one because I, I have played a little bit with Redain because it has been in. Uh, so yeah, the reason you wanted in uh, the reason uh, sorry the matchups that you wanted at are against Control. You don't really care about the shield side a lot. You really do want it for this three drop slot because it is hit off Coco, mm-hmm. it is hit off Kayla, it is an Angel. Uh, so you really want it against like Control because cards like Supreme Verdict now cost six mana. Mm-hmm. Cards like Teferi now okay. cost seven mana. Uh, and yeah. then when you're wanting against Mono Green, Karn the Great Creator costs six mana. Boat costs seven mana. Survive or what is it? Um, Storm the Festival eight mana. Like you're just again trying to buy time at, while you beat down your opponent. That's all you want to do with Redain. It's just again buy time. Mm-hmm. And I think it does mm-hmm. a really good job in that slot against Mono Green, against Control, against Lotus. It's your only shot against Lotus, to be honest. But mm. that's all you really have. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't been playing with it too much in paper. I guess that's why I haven't seen its its uses. Um, I haven't seen it actually like uh, take center stage, I guess you could say. There's not a lot, a lot of people playing Lotus and whatnot. Um, the other card in here in the sideboard, which I really like and I have been playing two of recently, is a Johnny Strength of the Pride. So this is the uh, two white and white uh, Johnny Planeswalker before he was com- completed. Uh, loyalty five uh, plus one is you gain life equal to the number of creatures you control plus the number of Planeswalkers. Minus two, you can create a uh, two two white cats token uh, pride mate that whenever you gain a life, you get a plus one plus one counter on it. But the best ability this card has is if you have at least 15 life more than your starting life total, you exile it and he exiles all of your opponent's artifacts and creatures. I've been playing this against Mono Green because they they don't have any interaction. They will let you gain 40 life or 30 life and then if you draw on a Johnny, you just wipe their entire board, including any of their sideboard uh, artifacts that they brought into play. Yeah, I, Am I doing it right? I lo- no, that is that is 100% right. When I when I started yeah. seeing a Johnny, I started laughing because I, I started like reading... like. So, like, this card, I think, originally came out in, like, Core 20. It came out one of the core sets. Didn't know yeah. what it did. Uh, and then I started seeing these decks, huh. and I'm like, okay, I guess I finally have to read what this card does. And I, I, st- I yeah. started reading, and I'm like, hey, plus one, don't care. Minus two, don't care. Zero. Oh, no. Huh. Oh, no. Because <laughs> you, you do just, like, lose your entire board against Monogreen. And I, I do also think that this card's probably fine against Rakados. I do think you end up boarding in any card that yeah. says draw a card or grind. Um, yeah, any of it. I would say also in the mirror matchup, it's really good. Yeah, because you do enable the mirror matchup is the most awkward matchup. I do think it might be. Uh, tell me if I'm wrong, but I think it might be the most miserable mirror matchup that we currently have in Pioneer. I think that might be the most yeah. miserable. Uh, something that happened. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And Mono Green versus Mono huh. Green. The reason, the reason I say that this is the most awful mirror is because the entire deck strategy is to be able to attack in the air, which a lot of other decks don't have. But if you're playing the mirror match, everything mm-hmm. flies, everything can block each other, everything has yeah. big butts, so everything bounces off each other, and each deck's goal like, is what? to gain a bunch yeah. of life. Like, for example, at an LGS event that we had last weekend at an RC, Top 8 happened, first one of the matches in Top 8 was a mirror, and Game 1 took mm. 89 minutes. Yeah, eighty nine. Somebody decked, I believe, is how someone died, <laughs> and I think that is the most That's miserable funny. gameplay that you can have. That's funny. However, if you're into angels and that's that's your jam, go for it. Oh huh. yeah. But we do see a lot of other sideboard cards that Milan hasn't included. If I'm okay to move on. Yeah. Uh, the cards that we don't see that are included that are maybe maybe should be uh, cards like Rest in Peace. If you are expecting a lot of Parhelion, yeah. a lot of um, uh, card uh, like Phoenix. Yeah, 
Is Addison's Pilgrim a cleric? I do think that your Angels matchup, oh, sorry, as the Angels deck, you do already have a really good Phoenix matchup. So, right, maybe Rest in Peace isn't as necessary, but I do think you have a really poor Grease Fang matchup. So that's where Rest in yeah. Peace would end yeah. up coming in. Yeah, 100% agree with that one. And I think... Um, any other cards? I think the other card that I, I saw as I was quickly scrolling through the Goldfish page that I kind of want to just, like, mention because I think it's, like, really funny and really cute um, is the one that you just mentioned, the Completed Ajani. I, I'm looking at it uh, in a couple of lists. I've seen it twice now. Uh, and mm-hmm. it, it, it's, it, it looks like it's supposed to be a replacement for Shaper Sanctuary as, like, a more of a catch-all because you're supposed to be able to reveal the top card and always be able to draw it because majority of the cards in your decks are creatures, but... I do think that one is pretty funny, haha, cute. I don't think it's something that you should be playing, but it is an option. I didn't. What does that do? Uh, so I mean, it's completed, completed, so you one. can pay two life, and it comes in with less loyalty. It starts off at four, and it's four mana, assuming that you're not paying Phyrexian. Uh, it's plus one is mm-hmm. reveal the top card of your library. If it's a creature or Planeswalker card, put it into your hand. Otherwise, you may put it uh-huh. on the bottom of your library. It's minus three is distribute three one one counters among up to three mm-hmm. target creatures. They gain vigilance until end of turn. And then it's minus six as you get an emblem with whenever you cast a creature spell or planeswalker spell, target opponent gets two poison counters. Mm. So maybe that's the okay. mirror tech. We figured it out. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. You just ultimate huh. Johnny. Done. Um, matchups, real quick. Do you guys want to talk about that? So you said I think it's weak against combo. Oh, of course. I think it's a horrible combo matchup. I think you're 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 a dog against combo. You can't go fast enough. Like I like we said, this is this has a lot more of an issue that, uh, sorry, it has the similar issue that Boats has where you're trying to, to play a lot more of a mid-rangey game, so you're, against, you're better against a lot more of the meta, but you're not that fast anymore. And especially mm-hmm. this deck isn't that fast because you're not running cards like Llanowar Elves. This card has not a lot of one-drop slots. It's two-drop slots. I think the highest power you can get on on turn two is a two. I think it is two. And then mm-hmm. you need like turn five to be the pinnacle turn. But by turn five, combo decks probably have either A, killed you, yeah. B, prepared to kill you the next turn, or you don't, you're not able to kill on turn five consistently with angels. I don't believe how often. Yeah. I think the kill turn for angels consistently is six or five, but assuming that's no interaction, you're getting a really good draw. That's really slow for the um, format. I found pretty good... I, I, I would say this is a pretty good matchup against any of the less than hyper aggro uh, deck so like we said spirits um i think it's good i like it against boat as well because i think you can just you know the three damage is just it doesn't matter it you know the from their sky silver and whatever you can block you don't have to block you can just keep on playing all your stuff until you get tons of life and then hey look now you're uh righteous valkyries for six eights mm-hmm. i think your best matchup with this deck is phoenix and it's not close i think that yeah. matchup is the I, I think that might be the most lopsided matchup that might exist. Like one of the most lopsided matchups that exist in Pioneer currently is the bo- is the the Phoenix versus Angels. I I think the only time that I've ever seen an a-, a Phoenix player like kill, uh, they killed them from 156 by taking six extra turns, and I think that's about the mm-hmm. only time I've ever seen a Phoenix player kill them game one. Huh. It, it, it doesn't happen that much unless like the angels player draws like one of the two ends of like a lot of lands or a lot of not lands i think the mm-hmm. matchup's not close for phoenix like you 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 just stomp that deck i've kind of struggled um against control i think like you said because it's kind of slower mm-hmm. um it can't beat them quick enough and then they just counter kill exile or verdict everything 
I do think this is the best creature deck against the control decks because of Collected Company. Any deck that does play yeah. Coco, I do think has a really good matchup because you do want to try to play on their end step, untap, and then you get to slam Ka Kayla's Reconstruction or another yeah. Collected yeah. Company. Yeah, true. I, I, I definitely agree with that. I think it can rebuild very well against them. Yeah, I do. I do also agree that this, I think this deck, the entire uh, reason to be drawn towards this deck is its ability to regrow. It has, I think, the fastest rate of regrowth. What do you guys, I mean, I don't like it in game one against Rakdos. I like it in game two and game three because of cards like Shaper Sanctuary. It's just so backbreaking against them. They try to use Thought Seasgard of everything, but if you land one of those and like you play any of your, your creature cards, anything that they're going to bring in your, the Rending Volleys and the Fatal Pushes and all that stuff against you, and you're just going to draw like three or four cards. What does suck though is if they get down a Shield Red and then you're drawing cards with your Shaper Sanctuary, if you don't get rid of her. Like, you're just going to die from all the cards you're going to be drawing from Shaper Sanctuary. Yeah. You you just yeah. have to try to... what You just have, it, it is you have to understand what your role is in the matchup. And your role is to beat down, and you will eventually win the game. All you have to do mm -hmm. is just save your removal spells for the Sealdred. Because you don't care about a lot of yeah. the other creatures. Skyclave. You don't care. If, if, if you're yeah. dying, that means you're probably not playing the... Or sorry, you're pro you probably have a lot of cards in hand and not a lot of lands. Because mm -hmm. I, I, I can't think of a scenario where you're kind of just like sitting there doing nothing against Rakdos. I think you're always actively playing mm -hmm. something and always trying to interact with the board. So all you have to do is just kind of go yeah. up the board. Oh, your opponent plays a shield right? Okay, remove it. I'm going to keep drawing cards. Good luck, buddy. I think that's how the okay. matchup ends up working out. Anything else you guys want to say about the matchups? I think we covered most. Uh, of how is the matchup against Mono Green? Uh, yeah, I mean, again, it's a combo deck. Mm -hmm. I mean, if they go off, if you don't get an Archon of Emeria, or like if your Damping Sphere doesn't stick around, then you're in trouble because they're just like, okay, I'm just going to, you know, put 632 power onto the board on turn five, and, and then, yeah, they make 7,000 mana and uh, just play everything for my sideboard. There we go. Game over. Yeah. It's a combo deck. You're not going to be combo deck. I didn't think it was a good matchup, and especially because they have a 5-6 that pretty efficiently blocks a lot of your flyers yeah. if you don't have the Anthem And you effect. can't Skyclave it. Yeah. Yeah. That was a little awkward, but I, I do think that this deck is definitely really well positioned in the format, I, but just dodge green. You just got to hope that yeah. Uh, the the consensus is for Mono Green. Whenever I talk to my friends, if they're gonna end up playing it, is this deck is miserable to play and I don't want to play it. So you gotta mm. kind of hope that everyone else has that mentality that nobody's gonna play it because nobody yeah. wanna actually has to sit there and play Mono Green. So we've talked about the weaknesses, uh, the matchups with the Gruel Vehicles deck. We talked about the matchups with the Angels decks. Last question, you know, before we end today's uh, podcast, is what kind of cards would you like to see printed for these decks? Like, how could you, you you know, make this deck better? For example, for Angels, I would love to see something good at one drop. Or even another good two drop, but mostly a one drop. Well, you know, give me, like, a 0-3 Angel of, that, like... What kind of one drop would you want to see? Would you want to see a Ramper? Would you want to see more of a card draw card? Gain life? Like, what kind of effect are you looking for in your one drop for this deck? I want something in that, that gets... Like, for example, my one drop Angel... Uh, I think no. Is it? Is it? I think Maybe. it's a human cleric. I, okay. We're gonna have to do a quick yeah. Google check on that one. But I do think that yeah. I, I I would I do think it's kind of a problem to add more elves to the format. But if mm -hmm. if there is something that this deck really wants, it is Avacyn's Pilgrim. 
I would not mind having uh, maybe a lord, uh, a smaller lord in angels, or even like I said, like a one drop that just gets bigger as you play more angels or something like that. But maybe not so much, maybe not so much like, um, uh, what do you call, uh, the righteous Valkyrie, but more, or not the righteous Valkyrie, the youthful Valkyrie, but maybe something like uh, it has power equal to the amount of angels you have. It starts out as like a zero one. Mm -hmm. And has indestructible as long as you have uh, another angel or something like that, and it gets power equal to the number of angels, something like that. That I would—that's what I would like to see printed for uh, angels in the future. But what do you guys think? What would you like to see printed for either of these decks? I'll let Kevin go first. I think both of them kind of need ramp two drops. You know, I think two drops is kind of still a weakness for angels, even more. Like maybe not as much as one drops, but I think that is still a weakness. Um, you you want a little heartbreak here? Is Addison's Pilgrim is a monk? Oh, it's a monk. Oof. Oh no, <laughs> it's a monk for get some monk. reason. Oof. I don't know where they got monk from it, but you are there any other monks on on Innistrad? I don't know. Maybe there's a couple in that temple up there, but like, all right. I don't think there's that. Can many. we error to him to uh, to clear? Yeah, yeah, can we error him? Kind of the same thing for uh, for Gruel vehicles. I think two drops might be where there's still some room for improvement. I don't. I'm not sold 100 percent on Werewolf Pack Leader. I think that's still where we're testing it. Um, obviously, they don't need more three drops, five drops, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, Green always seems like it has tons of two drops, but they're very very situational. Like, you know, you just go on to like you know Sky. Oh no, sorry, sorry, to Scryfall, and then oh my god, there's all these two. Two drops, but they only fit in like one kind of deck. That's the problem. Would we play Tarmogoyf if we had it in no. real vehicles? Ooh. I don't think Tarmogoyf's at all playable in Pioneer. Ooh, what if you can go Tarmogoyf into Fable of the Mirror Breaker? That's kind of hot, but I still don't. I think it's cute. I think it's cute. I don't think it's something <laughs> that you could end up reasonably doing because then I think we're not looking at a mid range deck. I think we're starting to talk about an against the odds deck. Hmm. <laughs> Uh, but for cards that I personally all right, want that, to that's see all I've got for Celestia Angels is I, I like the idea that uh, was given for something that grows. I think something that you kind of want a lot more with this deck, with it being like a really high land count deck, is something like Ascended Spirit, but for Angels, like something like mm. a Figure of Destiny, just something that you can like dump a little bit of mana into in the top deck war, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. another, but it's also just like an efficient one drop, like maybe like uh, a one mana one one that you can like pay two mana into it on turn two. And then it becomes like a two-two two flyer, with mm-hmm. and then gains like a keyword or something. I don't know. Yes. Just like something that like eventually grows it to make it big and scary. White green. Yeah. White green figure of destiny, please. If we can't get Addison's Pilgrim and start monkeying it in this deck, you know what? I'll be pretty happy with uh with um. Bring bring level up back from uh. So you know I, I would be fine death. if they would make like creature type specific um dorks like if you like you said like we don't want another um elvish mystic in the format but if they made a you know a one mana cleric that can tap for modded and spend it only on clerics or angels something like that yeah i'd be interested in that i i, I do think that, that might be enough for this deck. i do think the format is kind of currently warped around these elves so more of them isn't good but i do think that like some sort yeah. of mana ramp at one that exists that you are able to like use for these synergistic decks that are very niche i think could actually really help the format but then we kind of have to look at the, how the archetypes are already supported, and that becomes a whole nother 101 episode. Um, mm. But going to Gruul, uh, I do think the two-drop slot is the issue with this deck. I do think that you do need something that's a lot more consistent, because how many times have you played a turn one Lanar Elves, turn one Elvish Mystic, and it's died, and you've been sad? Mm. It's been a lot. Been a lot. Mm-hmm. So you kind of <laughs> just sit there going like, okay, do I cast another Lanar Elves, or am I playing a Tapland, or... 
Do I get to play my dorky two drop or am I heart's desiring? I think huh. I think you just want another solid two drop, and I think the kind of two drop that you want is again. I think Werewolf Pack Leader is really good. Uh, maybe it's a three drop even that we're looking for, but I want something that's similar that revolves around attacking that can 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 construe some sort of like card advantage or even just like uh, honestly, I, the thing that comes to mind is the keyword provoke from Legions, where whenever you attack, you force something to block. If you're able to like consistently control the board a little bit more like that uh while attacking and while being efficient in combat maybe i'm interested in that but i do think that the gruel's deck it has a lot of room to grow and i can't really think of anything in the main deck sideboard wise i do really want to see something that helps uh, against a lot more combo decks that something like gruel can play the only thing that we've mm-hmm. had access to is dampening sphere and we know how good dampening sphere is we're not that excited about it whenever we talk about it alpine moon is so niche and i think the only other one that can ever come to mind is cinder vines and if we're playing Cinder Vines, we're mm. really pushing it. We're really pushing it. <laughs> so I, I do think we want to see a lot more of a better combo hate card from Gruul. But that's really all I can think of that would be really good for this archetype. All right. Well, I'm all right. I that's think uh, that that's probably about it then. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, the only thing I thought of that uh, you had missed it earlier, and we already moved into Angels, is do we want to talk at all about the Dragon Engine, or should we wrap up the episode? Because <laughs> yeah, there was can, that we one week you were really excited about it. All right, we're yeah. going to wrap up the episode. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this, you know, this kind of Pioneer 101 kind of double. We're calling it 102 because we talked about two decks, even though that's not quite how that naming convention works, I think. Um, but if you guys enjoyed our content, please go ahead and follow us on Twitter. It's the best place to stay up to date with us at MTG Pioneer. You can also find a link to our Discord there where you can find, you know, lots more conversation. You can talk about decks. You can talk about magic. You can talk about whatever is ailing you. And uh, we're always there and always communicative. Yeah, I guess 201 would have been the correct uh, way to name it, right? The second semester class or whatever. Uh, or maybe it's second year class. But anyways, yeah, you guys can find me on uh, Twitter at uh, Yo Japan Hobbyist. And, uh, of course, I'm very active on the Discord as well, so I'll hop in there. And uh, also, I posted some new um, some new channels uh, for each color combination out there. So if you want to kind of just talk about your favorite color combination, your favorite decks from there, definitely stop in um, and, uh, you know, start the discussion. Um, Ashiok, how about you? Do uh, you have anything you want to promote, or do you want to uh, talk about your socials? I would love to talk about my socials. Uh, my Twitter is at Dreams of Ashiok. That's where you can primarily find me. Um, I'm currently working on uh, some a little bit more of the behind-the-scenes stuff. I'm trying to get a little bit more back into the content creation swing of things. Uh, I have a couple spicy brews in the brain, trying to work it out. Uh, since I know that uh, Ryan isn't going to be the one pushing blue decks, I'll push the blue decks, no, I'll push no, the brews. You. Uh, but I'm going to attempt to try to be a lot more active. Uh, I, I do want to be able to help out anyone that needs help whenever it comes to a competitive sense, because that's where I really found my calling is helping out players that have issues with any sort of competitive gaming or if they're like struggling with tournaments or anything like that. I always want to try to help. Uh, and I appreciate being on. And that's really all I have to say. And I can't wait for yeah, the many more episodes that uh, are going to come out with us. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's going to wrap up our show. Thank you guys all for listening. Um, we are the first Pioneers podcast. We look forward to being your go-to source for Pioneer information online. And since it's Pioneer 102, we are 102 zing out. <laughs> Something like that. All right, we're going to wrap up our show. It's already been a long one. <laughs>